You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated podcast, brought to you by BearsIllustrated.com, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pernay Malampati, alongside Garrett Ross, and we hope you enjoy today's show. Now, let's get into it. In segment three today, we had an awesome guest join the show. I got a chance to chat with a former BYU receiver, a Waco product, and a guy who has trained with Baylor freshman Armani Winfield for years. I sat down with margin hooks and and got some insight into what Armani Winfield will be bringing to Baylor this season and down the line. But first, CBS Sports released a ranking of their AAC quarterbacks. I mean, sorry, the AAC head coaches heading into the 2022 season. It was headlined at number one by Luke Fickle, followed by two other head coaches who are going to join the Big 12 soon. Dana Holderson at three and Gus Malzahn at two there's also a couple other Baylor connections that we'll get into but first Garrett what do you think of three big the three new big 12 head coaches being atop the AAC rankings I think it's I think it's to be expected right like when you look at these programs obviously you could go simply back to last season um for Cincinnati and you know they became Really, I guess the first group of five team to make it into the power uh, into the college football playoff. Um, obviously, that game didn't turn out the way they had expected, um, but at the same time, you were able to, to do something nobody else has ever done. Um, I think Luke Fickle has done a good job of going in there. I know he spent some time. I believe he was the interim at Ohio State um, after Trestle left. Um, so he's shown that he can win at a high level, and he's doing a that. This will only help him. I mean, you just go back and look at Cincinnati's um, success in the NFL draft this season. You know, that's the best in program history with as many players as they had drafted. So I think it definitely makes sense for him. Um, Malzahn, yeah, I I think it's still yet to be seen what he can truly do at UCF. Um, Obviously, this is a guy who has a national championship under his belt. Um, That could be debated whether it was his or Cam's, Cam Newton's, however you want to go about that. but still, I mean, I think his record speaks for itself. Dana Holgerson is a guy who you know has had experience coaching in the Big 12 uh, in the past with West Virginia. Um, obviously, you're in Houston, which is arguably the greatest, the richest uh, recruiting, I guess, area in the nation, in, in a sense. Um, it, it's just a matter of can you keep some of those guys home um, regarding. But I think when you look at those three, man, it – it's no reason that they're the top. And I think it, it's crazy that once they leave, you know, for the Big 12, what does that do as far as their coaching things go? But, yeah, I'm not really surprised that those are your top three. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. Obviously, Fickle took Cincinnati to the playoffs, which was incredible for a group of five team. And I think that's a, that's a reason why he can lead Cincinnati to being one of the football powers in the Big 12 when they join. Um, and then 
I, I found it kind of interesting that they had Melzahn over Holgerson since Houston went 12-2 and two last season. So obviously they're taking into account the whole body of work rather than just whatever they've done recently. I think, um, yeah, I think that's one of those things where these polls can be tricky at times because it's hard, right? It's hard not to look at somebody, a coach, a player in general's whole body of work when, when you're doing these things. Uh, but yeah, if you're going strictly off of, of last year, you could easily make the case that Holgerson was the better guy. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the fact that after these three coaches leave, we don't know who's going to be atop the AAC. Um, and a guy who was ranked at number 10, 10 out of 11, is Jeff Scott from South Florida, um, who will be Gary Bohannon's head coach this season and, and likely the season after that. Um, it seems like Gary Bohannon has an eye for for seeing coaching staffs who are on the brink of turning things around. And if that happens, they might, Jeff Scott might do some great things in South Florida. What do you see? What do you think of him being ranked at number 10? I think it makes sense. I mean, they've really struggled to, to get things going. And it's not all his fault. I mean, he's 3-18 and 18 through two seasons there. Um, but he's also dealt with a whole new turnover. Um, he's dealt regarding the – I think you see USF was in a, in a situation where they were starting to rise as a program under Charlie Strong. And once he took the Texas job, they've just kind of really started – they've reeled. They fell off the map. And I think it also helps when your Central Floridas and stuff are playing as well as they are. Um but I think that given the circumstances and now that he's got a quarterback that understand, and you make up a good point in a unique situ, in a unique point about Gary Bohannon finding those or ending up in those programs, I could say um, that are in situations in a, in a rebuild mode. Um, I think having somebody with Gary's experience is going to be crucial to, to write the ship. And I'm not saying that they can necessarily do that this year, um, but I think that they have a good opportunity to take a step in the right direction. And they, they probably could get more wins this season than they've had in Scott's entire tenure. If everything falls into place, I think Gary Bohannon could bring them, you know, three or four wins, which would equal his uh, Scott's total the entire time being there. Yeah, I, I agree that Gary Bohannon's presence there is, is going to be hugely helpful. And, and not just his experience – on the field and what he did last year, but his experience going through two rebuilding processes under Matt Rule and Dave Veranda. Um, so he'll he'll be a guy who can maybe rally the troops and get everyone pumped up, even when they haven't had success the last couple of seasons, um, get them to, to play for their head coach and help the program turn around. Um, and there was, a, there was one more Baylor connection in these rankings. Former Baylor offensive coordinator from Back in the Art Bryles era, Philip Montgomery is the head coach at Tulsa. He was ranked number six out of these 11 coaches. Um, and honestly, I thought that was kind of high based on what he's done. Uh, he's been pretty inconsistent. He did lead Tulsa to a 7-6 season last year after starting 0-3. Um, but the guys behind him, I feel like, are just a little better. Like Mike Houston had a good season at East Carolina. I think Rhett Lashley and... Stan Drayton at Temple have experience where they can be better coaches. What do you, what do you think of Philip Montgomery? I, I think it's interesting. Um, 
I honestly think that he never, they haven't really been able to live up to that expect. And I, I guess we don't really know what truly what the expectation was. I guess coming out of the Bryles tree, um, you expected him to go over there, kind of command a, a program and, and be able to, to kind of do a similar situation to what happened in Waco. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. Um, I, I'm not really surprised. I think it's intriguing how when he went into that league, he was one of the the bigger names you heard of. And as the American Conference has grown and they've had more success, it's kind of like they've 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 realized that that's not the bar. Like everybody they've brought in um, have been better coaches than him. They've they've done better with their program. So it's kind of a a situation where. You wonder if if maybe this is his last season if he doesn't get because I mean, look, I, I think that Navy is always a tricky team in this conference. Obviously Tulane, but even the schools behind him, Memphis has been good. You know they've they've produced talent. Uh, East Carolina has been the same way. SMU, you know SMU's been good as well. Um, I, I think this is a situation where he could go anywhere from six to eight. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised, man, if if they don't do something this season, if he's on the market next year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I I, I think he might get one more season just because, first of all, he, they didn't make a bowl game this year. And I think the bigger thing is that Tulsa's really hard to recruit at. Like, even compared to some of these other group of five schools, like Cincinnati is in a big city. Like, Central Florida, Houston, obviously, are – easier to recruit at Navy has a big brand. And then you think of like Memphis, SMU, they're all in these cities that you have some sort of pipeline. I feel like in Tulsa, you're just sitting there between Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. And it's just tough to get people. I mean, I think you could get, there's plenty of, it might come out. I wouldn't necessarily say leftover talent. Um, There's plenty of talent. talent. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of talent. I think coming out of Texas, um, that Tulsa should be in the perfect proximity to pick up, um, you know, and even guys who, you know, say they're from Texas or from Oklahoma and, you know, they just, for whatever reason, couldn't make it into Oklahoma state or Oklahoma. I think Tulsa would be a unique city. I think you could find the people at Tulsa and you could find the players just because of the proximity. And that's what kind of makes me nervous about where they're at because, to me, it's a it's a good situation. It's a good now. Obviously, there's nothing to do there, but hell, there's nothing to do with Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and they win national championships almost every year. So I mean, those are two different. Those are two different. Bro, I mean, you know, it's it, but I, I so that's my that's my one where I would disagree with you about Tulsa is I, I feel like their proximity, if they got the right guy in there, um, could definitely draw and benefit from the the players left over from that Texas uh, area. I feel like they would be kind of the third tier of schools though. Like you, you would have the Oklahoma, Texas, well, yeah, um, power five schools, but then you like, I feel like if you're in Texas, you're going to choose an SMU or a Houston over a Tulsa as well. Maybe you might even consider Tulane. That's a good point. I mean, I guess it really just depends on also what part of the state you're from. Yeah. Too, you know, I mean, do you, you bring up a good point with Tulane? I think that's interesting, especially if you're, one of those Houston kids. Would you rather go to Tulsa or would you rather go to Tulane? I mean, I'm hitting I-10 and going to the boot. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing that too. <laughs> uh, 
but we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, it, it is exciting, though, that the three top coaches in the AAC are all coming to the Big 12. So let me pose this question to you. If, if these teams were joining the Big 12 heading into next season, would any of these coaches, and let's take Oklahoma and Texas out of the picture, okay? I don't. Okay. They're gone. If if the new Big Twelve was in place starting tomorrow, would those guys, would any of those guys, in your opinion, crack the top five of the of the Big Twelve coaches? Yeah, I think that Dave Aranda and Luke Fickle would be one A one B. Really? Yeah, I do. I, I, I just th- I just think it's so impressive what Fickle has done at Cincinnati. Like taking a group of five team to the playoff just shows that not only can he coach, but he can recruit well enough to have players that can compete with and beat a Notre Dame and and even compete with an Alabama in the playoff. So like I think he's he's just that good of a coach. Um, he's done something many power five coaches haven't. And then and then Holgerson, I don't think he'd be top five. Melzon Melzon would probably in, be in the top five for me. I was looking at it and I think I would have to go if it, it if that was the circumstance today, we're looking at the new Big 12, we're looking at this. I think I have to go Aranda 1, just simply your reigning Big 12 champions. Uh, and what he's been able to do there is just – at Baylor has been absolutely insane um, with all the obstacles and everything. I think I have Gundy at 2. Um, obviously, his his tenure – What he, I think he's – dude, there was an article out there too the other day, uh, and I need to go back and find it. But it's talking about how they get – Gundy gets overlooked, and I think that's a really good point. I've even questioned. I've been. I've questioned it this past season. Like, is this dude? Is this good? I don't. It might have been when they were struggling, but anyway, I was questioning. You know, does does Gundy need to like? Is it just mediocrity, in a sense, cool with Oklahoma State? But if you look at it, while that would be mediocre by some standards, it's really good by a lot of program standards as well. Um, so that's stability. Obviously, you're in the Big 12 championship last year. I would put Gundy there. I would put Malzahn at three because of, and I guess this is whole picture looking at that national championship. And then I would yeah. put Fickle in at four. So I'm with you. Uh, I think I would throw those two in as top five coaches if the big if they were in place right now. Yeah, I'd probably go Aranda one, Fickle two. I think Gundy three, Malzahn four, Campbell five. Yeah, that's. I had Campbell at five as well. I think that's, yeah, absolutely. But a couple of coaches we both left out are Joe McGuire, Sonny Dykes at these Texas schools. Um, they're new coaches. And, and, and in segment two, we're going to look forward to next season and how these Texas schools will do in the upcoming year. into the Bears Illustrated podcast. Now let's get into this article by Dave Campbell's Texas Football, which projected win totals for the Texas Power 5 colleges for next season. They had Texas A&M going over nine wins. They had Texas going under eight wins, Baylor over nine wins, Texas Tech under six wins, and TCU under seven wins. Which of those was the most shocking to you and, and 
Um, what would you rate? Where would you rate these teams? I would say the most shocking um, would probably be maybe Texas Tech. Um, the under six wins. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in Lubbock. Uh, I, and obviously, Joey McGuire is going to have to prove um, that he could coach at the – be a head coach at the collegiate level, at the Power 5 collegiate level for that matter. But I would say that's probably one. I think they they could get six. Um, th- there was not one that really was drastically caught my attention – uh, but that would the, that would be the one I would have to go with was Texas Tech at six under six wins. What about you? Um, I, I agree. There there wasn't too much shocking about it. I think I I would probably agree with Texas Tech being under six wins. I think they start the season one and four, probably one and five, because after Murray State they get Houston and then at NC State, who's really good. Who I think will be pretty good this year. They play Texas at Kansas State at Oklahoma State. I just think that's a brutal start to their season, and it's already five losses. Um, but I would have Texas over eight wins. I think I think Texas is going to be there. I think they're going to have a good season. I think they'll have nine, maybe ten wins, just because they have so many weapons on offense. And Quinn Ewers is he's he's going to be a really good quarterback. Um, the the concerns about the trenches stop me from going higher, but. What do you think of Texas? I would, I'm going to give Texas. I think that's right. I, I would give Texas seven wins. Um, I need to see the proof in the pudding, right? Like I think they're going to get absolutely obliterated when they play Alabama on national stage. Um, mm-hmm. And then how do you respond to that, right? And not just from a player standpoint, but how do you respond to that from a coach's standpoint? Um, obviously Sark was on that under Saban staff. We've seen coaches in the past, the former Saban coaches in the past, extra, extra, I mean, what Jimbo Fisher finally got him. Uh, and obviously, uh, Kirby smart finally got him, but that's it, right? Like it, I, I think that that's going to tell us a lot about Texas and what they can do as a whole, in my opinion, is how they respond. And I'm look, I could be totally wrong. They can go out and win that game. I just don't see it. No way in hell that this happened. And I think they get blown out. And, and to me, I think that's what's going to be the deciding factor for the, the remainder of the season is how they respond to that game. And if they come out, man, and they just they, they, they handle business and, and they don't let that derail them like so many teams have done in the past. USC, remember when USC come out and they played at, at Jerry World and they like were coming out of the tunnel yeah. like the – they were having to pull him back like he was a dog, and then they just got embarrassed. Miami's done the same thing. Uh, I think you're going to see a similar situation with Texas coming out of that game. So I, I'm going to give the Horns seven wins. Apparently, Fox thinks the same thing because they put they put them at the 11 a.m. game, and it's funny how Baylor BYU might be the night game. Um, it should be. I, yeah, I think it should be too. I think these are two of the top ten teams in the country, but. Yeah, I just think that Tech, well, you're right that it comes down to how they respond to that Alabama loss. Um, I just think that they have too much talent to lose to some of these other schools. I, I could see an 8-4 and four season, but m- much worse than that, I really couldn't. Um, TCU, they had under seven wins as well. And, and that's a team that has a quarterback question right now. They have 
some some guys coming back on offense and have a new head coach, I I would probably agree with the under there. What about you? I like TCU. I think Chandler Morris is a really good quarterback. Um, I think Quentin Johnson is one of the, I think he's one of the top two, top three receivers in the Big Twelve. One of the most underrated uh, receivers in the nation. I think that their secondary, Travis Hodges, Tomlinson, is one of the 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 brightest stars in the nation coming up as well. Um, obviously, you have Jared Wiley that can you know do some playmaking ability. For the frogs too, I I like what they have in place. I think they have good key playmakers. I know they've done a lot of moves in the transfer portal as well, um, but to me, it's really going to come down to can they sustain things in the trenches, and can their their defense get off the field on third downs. I'm a little apprehensive on that, um, but there's so much going on with with the coaching staff. Um, yeah, I I think that. TCU having about six wins under seven makes sense. Yeah. The other two teams, Texas A&M and Baylor, are the two really interesting ones here. They have both of them over nine wins, which puts them both at at least ten and two seasons, um, which puts both of them in playoff contention. What do you think of that and the potential of having two Texas teams possibly in the playoff? Not going to happen. Uh, it's not going to happen. Um I, I, it's not going to happen, man. I look. I think A and M is uh, both teams. To me, A and M and Baylor are on definitely on a very positive trajectory with their programs. I think they have two of the best coaches in the nation uh, that truly understand the culture of the program they're at, and they've gotten everybody bought in. I think both of the guys are capable of doing what we haven't seen in Austin, and that is developing talent. Um, but at the same time, I know AM is in a situation where most most teams in the nation would love to be in their quarterback situation. But at the same time, while you've got the talent there, we need to see Haynes Kings coming off an injury. Uh, Wagmire's still really young. Uh, Johnson comes over from LSU, but none of them really blew anything away in the, the the spring game that I watched. Evan Stewart at the wide receiver position, I think, will be one of the best playmakers in the nation. Uh, but I, I still think that the gauntlet they're going to go through, um, it's going to be difficult. Uh, but at the same time, so I, I think I don't see them getting over nine wins. I think A and M could get eight to eight wins. Nine wins. I don't see them getting double-digit wins. And as far as Baylor goes, obviously we've we've talked in the past before. Um, I had the Bears sitting at eight and four. I really need to see you be able to to win on the road consistently. Most we've talked about it that you're going to Provo, you're going to Austin, you're going to Norman, you're going to Lubbock. Um, I need to see that they can win on the road. And I think we're going to learn, like similar to what we were talking about a while ago with, with Texas and Alabama, I think you're going to learn a lot about this Baylor team from that BYU game. With AM, I feel like there there is a shot with, at 10 wins just because of their schedule. Obviously, they're going to, they're going to lose at Alabama. That's a given. But other than that, none, none of their other games are not winnable. If they get Arkansas at home, at South Carolina will be tough, but it's it's not an impossible game to win. At Auburn will be another tough one, but again, not impossible to win. Um, I think that if they beat Miami in that third week of the season, 
they'll get to 10 wins. If they don't, then they probably won't. Um, and we know we know where I stand on Baylor. I see Baylor going 11-1 and or 12-0 and, and and winning the Big 12 championship and making the playoff. Who's... But if, if one of these two teams were to make the playoff, would you take A&M or Baylor? Mm, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I, you know what, I would, I would, I would probably say because I don't trust the college football playoff committee. Um, Baylor's been in a position in the past where they should have gotten in and didn't. Now, granted, you know, Cincinnati was there last year, so that could prove the theory wrong that they only want certain people in. But I think that they would be more inclined to send A&M if they were in a position than Baylor simply because of whatever brand or it's not even a brand but the fan base and they're going to make money um and plus the a&m being in the sec i think would get the benefit of the doubt over a baylor if they were trying to like come down to those two in the situation uh but i i would say a&m i would have to say a&m the thing is for a&m to make the playoff they essentially have to beat alabama otherwise they'd be an 11 and 1 non-conference champ and without any like they might have one or two signature wins but i just don't see them having the record and the schedule to make the playoff without beating alabama which is which has about a two percent chance of happening i mean look Um, if they push them and we've seen in the past that multiple sec teams can get in we've even seen lsu and, and bama play each other in the national championship both out of the sec west so I, I think that's where that gets kind of tricky because they're the one conference who could leverage that situation. They could, but AM doesn't get that chance to beat Georgia. And there aren't unless LSU comes out and Brian Kelly's first year and is really good and AM wins, but I don't think that I don't think that I don't think that's season. happening. So like their only marquee win at that point maybe be South Carolina and then Miami would probably be a good win. Um and I also don't think they'll be as good as Georgia. So if the SEC does get two teams in, I think it's going to be Alabama and Georgia. And with Baylor, I feel like if they go 12-1 and one and win the Big 12, they have to get in just because they're going to have a, a really tough schedule, possibly a win at BYU. And, I mean, the ISS, I think, will show the committee that they're a top-four team. I think if Baylor goes on the road, and even if – look, if you – I mean, you can't really afford to drop any of them, but I'm trying to think of a scenario where they lost, say like you went to Norman and you lost that one game, but you had the three road wins behind you. Um, And then I guess with the round robin situation, you were able to, like say you met, you met um, Oklahoma again in the championship and you beat them, then you could get in. I just, I, I feel like, if you're not Oklahoma and you're not Texas coming out of the Big 12, the college football playoff committee will go out of their way to not put you in there. And, and that's just been the track record in the past. And until something's done about that, I'm, I'm, I feel like there's no room for error for any of these Big 12 teams not named Texas or Oklahoma at the moment. I, I do think that theory is a bit overplayed just because the only time the Big 12 had a chance to get a non-Oklahoma team in was with 
two 11 and one teams and no conference championship game versus a 12 and one Ohio state. So I feel like that extra data point did make a difference. And I think that if you have a 12 and one conference champ, unless there's some crazy good team that just played a better team in their conference, like that one year with 12 and one Ohio state and 11 and one Alabama, I think 95% chance of 12 and one, Big 12 champ gets in regardless of who it is. I would hope so. I, I really would. Um, but you just you never know with those people, man. You never do. You never do. But I, I would hope that you're right, that a 12-1 and team for the Big 12 would get in. Yeah. We'll, we'll just have to see. Hope, hopefully Baylor can make something happen there. Very true. So that's it for, for us on the next segment. Catch my interview with Margin Hooks, who provided some great insight into Bell receiver Armando Winfield. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated Podcast. I'm now joined by Margin Hooks, who is a Waco product. He's a former BYU receiver, and now he's the CEO of Sky's the Limit Elite Training. Last week, Margin worked with Baylor wide receiver Armani Winfield, who's a freshman and came in as a four-star as an early enrollee this past spring. And Margin, what did you see in Armani? What jumped out at you when you first worked with him? I started working with Armani when he was in eighth grade. Oh, wow. Um, when I first started. Yeah, I've been working with him <laughs> since he was a pup. So this is a long history with us. Um, and he reached out to me you know, crazy thing on through social media and, you know, just kept just, just plodding and plodding for me to work with him, you know, and I finally, you know, kind of, kind of talked to him. I talked to his mom, like, okay. And she said, coach, he said, he only want to train with the best. He said, he don't want to go nobody but you at the time. So, and that's how we started, you know, we came wow. up to the field and we, it was like that, that bond then. I mean, the thing about it, he, he's always, Wanted the best. He wanted to be the best. He wanted everything about it. That's what makes him so intriguing. He didn't mind the work that goes along with that. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So obviously Armani is a very talented receiver, but there, there are a lot of receivers who have talent and um, that, that personality, that coachability work ethic is something that makes receivers fulfill their potential. So can you talk a little bit about, about his coachability and his work ethic? Um, he's, he's, you know, he's been very, he's very coachable. Um, and he's always, like I said, with me, it's never been a problem. You know, because I've had him so long, he's always wanted to push himself further than probably was expected of a kid at that age. You know, people don't realize Armani started on varsity as a freshman. Wow. He's been, you know, so he's he's always been used to that type of success, you know. Yeah. And and it just even pushes him even more, you know. You know, to just to just the work time with him, the, the time he puts into his craft, with with the, with the highs and lows, you know. So, I, and I've been there for all of it, you know, from him having surgery with his, you know, with his knee um, after his his, uh, his sophomore year, and you know, having kind of a a lagging junior season because he was recouping from that knee. No one knew it, but me. Oh, wow. And. Just hearing the backlash from people saying he don't have it, he, what's wrong with him, and all that type of stuff. And I'm knowing that he's bouncing back. And then the senior year, he comes around and he does well. He's back to, to his old self, you know? So he's, what's the word? Um, I look at him, he's kind of, I can't, it's, it's, it's escaping me right now. But he, he perseveres. Gotcha. You know, despite it all, you know, you might not know it, but he's if he's going through something, he's going to persevere and fight through it. And he fought back that knee, and he's he's fully healthy now. Oh, he's fully healthy. That happened his sophomore year. He kind of relaxed, you know, his junior year, just you know, because he had uh, I think it was MCL surgery, and then his you know senior year, you know, he's one hundred percent. He's he's you know he's still not one hundred percent, but he was it was enough where he still can go be himself. Right now, he's one hundred percent. Gotcha. Okay. Um, on the field, what are the biggest aspects of Armani's game that you think could could make him a star at Baylor? And he has a mixture because he has size and speed. You know, he's very he's a smooth transitional player, and I, he's deceptive on high runs. And you know, he's deceptive because you might think he can't run, but he actually can't move pretty well for his size. Um, I think that's going to help him a lot, especially with durability, you know, and then also that confidence with, you know, taking the hits, things that you're going to do on that D1 level. I think it's going to help. Are there some things that you think that it would be good for him to develop and, and uh, would help him become a better college receiver? Um, the, the, you know, study habits of just being a college player, understanding defenses, you know, just to growing into a, you know, a mature young man. Those are the things that come along with college ball that, that he's going to have to grow in those areas. And, he, and he's young. And as he grows, man, he's going to, to progress and do well. Yeah, he is a young guy. And uh, he, he enrolled early. He would, be, he would be incoming this August, but decided to come and, and take part in spring practice. So given that and given the losses that Baylor did have at wide receiver this season with, with this offseason with Tyquan Thornton and RJ Sneed leaving, there's a hole at that number one receiver spot. And do you think that Armani can take hold of that opportunity and potentially be Baylor's number one this season? 
I mean, it's possible. I think it's very possible. You know, some things have to go, you know, the right way. You know, seeing how he's progressing with understanding the offense, understanding what's expected of him, and being able to produce it, practice, so those coaches can see it and feel confident with him, and him feel confident in himself with understanding, you know, their scheme and what they want. Because, again, he's going to have a learning curve, you know. He's not going to know everything. So, he's going to have some bumps, some ups and downs, some bumps and bruises. You know, the coach is going to support him, you know, and, and roll with him with those mistakes. You know, because I, like I tell people, Baylor, when's the last time Baylor got an All-American receiver? Yeah, it's true. Maybe uh, Corey well, Coleman? He wasn't All-American. He became one when he was a Baylor. Who got one? When's the last time Baylor got one out of high school? I couldn't tell you. My point exactly. So when you get those type of kids, other All-Americans are looking. Yeah. See, okay, how do they take care of them? Well, you know, I'm not saying any special privileges, but if the kid is ready, you know, to kind of ease them out there. Don't just throw them out there to the woods, ease them out there. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a good situation for him. Did you encourage him to, to enroll early for that reason? I did. I did to get, you know, go ahead and get that foot, get used to the, the to the, the different, to the terrain of college life, you know, classes and, you know, and, and then practice meetings, everything that's expected of you. You know, if you come in August, you're playing behind. Now he's already, he's above the curve because he's already been there. He's going through a spring ball, mm-hmm. you know, being in the, uh, you know, their, you know, their, the workout, you know, system, you know, with different weights running, he has a full offseason to do during the summer. So it's not something where he's going to be, his body's going to get shot because he's already been there. Yeah. You know, and preparing for the next season. Definitely makes sense. Um, and I want to ask you about Armani coming to Baylor. Was there any hesitation about that? And, and what do you think this, this Baylor coaching staff can help him with? Um. I think it'll be, I think it's, it's, it's a great thing. Now, he wasn't hesitant with it, you know. He had, you know, he decommitted from Texas and had other schools, Michigan State, different schools that were, that were you know, recruiting him. So, you know, with him, it, I don't even think, it, you know, I think just having a coaching staff that's going to be there, even though when he got there, the receiver coach, coach, uh, 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 you know, the coach that was there, he actually went to Notre Dame. So, even that's yeah. sort of the change there, which it helped him realize when I spoke to him about it, remember, this is a business. Mm-hmm. Always remember, here's a game you play, but there's money involved. So it's a business. So it's going to be moving. So you you can't get tied up in your emotions with that stuff. You can't at all. You know, you understand mm-hmm. what you came here to do. It doesn't matter who's there. You still go be, you know, an All-American. You still be that kid that started in that grade who wanted it all, who went and took what he wanted. You still have the mindset, no matter who's coaching. That's the that's that's the mentality and mindset of what makes and breaks football players. Gotcha. Um and and last question for now. Obviously, Blake Shapin won Baylor's quarterback competition and will be the starting quarterback this year. Do you think he's the type of quarterback that can help Armani? be as good as he can be? I mean, you know, I didn't really get a chance to watch a lot of Baylor football. So uh, I, I know I watched, I went to the BYU game and I watched, but I don't think he was starting in. I watched the bowl game. 
and I watched the uh, Big 12 championship game, you know, they were going back and forth. So I really, I don't know. He's a young guy too. They're still learning. And sometimes if you get a match and a link with someone young, you realize he's a dude. That's the best thing that can happen. Because I, I tell people, young guys, if they know you can play, they just going to throw it to you. No matter what, you just go, you go make the plays. You know, you make the plays, your confidence boosting. Also, his confidence is boosting. So the fact that the kid, that the quarterback that they have has been there, you know, played some games and actually earned their position during the, during the spring, you know, I think it will it will help him on it. You know, having someone that he can grow with. Yeah, hope so, and uh, hope Armani has a great season this year. I, I appreciate you coming on, and you can find Margin on Twitter at, at Sky's the Limit WR. Um, and he, he, you you train a, a lot of receivers, so I'm sure the fans would be excited to see who else you work with. Um, thanks for coming on, and thanks for listening. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.